You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. It's that time of year for me that the season is pretty much over and it's time to start late season scouting. And because I feel like I'm going to be jumping into some more public land this year, I'm going to be knocking on doors to try to gain access to properties closer to my house as opposed to driving, you know, an hour and a half south every you know, every weekend or for my rut vacation, I would love to be able to hunt a little bit closer to home. And I think that will allow me to get out more times throughout the season. And why is Onyx a big part of that? Well, because I can go and leave waypoints, find scrapes, find rubs, find deer trails, find bedding areas. And I can document all of that on the map in the Onyx app. I can also find landowner names. I can knock on their door and I know who I'm talking to. I know who I need to ask for. And it just makes everything a lot easier. And at the same time, while it's winter time, I can go out there and I can see all the vegetation is out. I can see. So when I go back into the timber in early October, all that vegetation is there. I've already laid down my entry and exit routes. So all I have to do is follow a line and it takes me exactly where I need to go. If you want to find out more information about Onyx Maps, visit onyxmaps.com or go to the app store and download it today. And if you want to save 20% off your initial order, all you have to do is enter the discount code NATION20. That's the word NATION followed by 20. And that's going to save you 20% off your first purchase for a new members. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. I am your host, and you're in for a treat today because we have a returning guest. His name is Cameron Deerfield, and he's gone back to back on two absolute giant bucks. Uh, he shot a, like a 190 class last year. This year, he shot a absolutely freakishly huge eight-pointer, and uh, all you guys already know that I'm a sucker for big eight-pointers. Uh, so that's what today's story is. Now, the story takes place on a lease in Ohio, but don't stop listening because you hear the word lease, right? What I want you to pay attention to in this episode is the fact that that Cameron hunted 21 days for this particular buck. And last year, he hunted 60 days for his buck. 
Cameron is the kind of guy who takes an inventory throughout the summer and then before the deer season, he picks one deer. And that is the only buck he will shoot. He does not he does not step away from that goal. And for the last two years, he's reached that goal. He has grinded his ass off in the timber, being mobile, making the right choices, knowing when to hunt, when to stay out, and that has led him to two years back to back of some absolute studs right so i want you to listen to this story and uh i think that if we if you listen closely there's something here you can take away so i hope you guys enjoy this now before we get into this episode i also want to say it's ata week so nine finger chronicles at uh is going to be there myself, uh, Bob Planick with the Hunting Gear Podcast, Parker from the uh, Southern Ground Podcast. We're all going to be there, and we're all going to be bringing you as much content as humanly possible about all the gear that we're going to be reviewing. I'm going to be doing a, at, I mean, I think I have nine scheduled episodes per day at the ATA show. So the goal is to not only cover it on social like Instagram and Facebook, but I also am going to be covering it through the podcast side of things, right? And I'm going to launch a couple episodes this week and then I'm going to trickle them out throughout the rest of uh, rest of the month. So make sure you're not only following along on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, but the Hunting Gear podcast as well or just the Whitetail feed and the big game feed uh, on the Sportsman's Nation. So there's some of that. Just, fo- just, just follow along on Instagram, and I think you'll be fine. You'll get a lot of information there and uh, you know, download the episodes as well. So spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your mama. <laughs> and uh, Other than that, I think uh, this is going to be a, a bomb-ass episode. But before we get into the episode, i got to do a commercial right and it's ozonics and you guys hear me talk about ozonics and the role that that machine plays in my strategy every single year and it doesn't just start in the timber with the unit in the tree it starts back at the deer camp where i dry wash my clothes every single night and i feel that that is really the only way you can be like 100% fresh going into the timber. They'll spray on the spray stuff. I don't think that works. The ozonics is scientifically, scientifically proven to work. And not only does it clean your clothes, but then you get to the tree and you set it up. And it's just one of these things that uh, I know it's not cheap. And I know there's people out there that say hunt the wind. But every year, every single year, I, I hunt the wind. I have the ozone in the tree as a backup. I can be more aggressive in my tree stand locations. And there's always a deer that comes downwind that could potentially screw up an entire hunt when every hunt's important. Uh, I think Ozonics does a absolutely great job of you know basically watching your six. So if you want to find out more information about Ozonics, you need to go to ozonicshunting.com. Dot com, uh, you know, just or Google Ozonics and just look at all the reviews on it, right? It's absolutely amazing. And then when you're on their website, enter the discount code NFC19. NFC19. And what's that going to get you? When you purchase an HR300, an HR230, or the new Orion, 
you're going to get a free dry wash bag, right? So all you have to do is enter it in, enter the discount code in, uh, and then or add add the units to your cart. Enter the discount code in, and you will automatically receive a free dry wash bag with that purchase. And uh, I, in my opinion, that dry wash bag, although cheaper and it's free with this with this deal, it's equally as important on the scent regimen throughout the entire uh, you know the entire uh, season. So go go do some research and you know go buy Nozonics and use that discount code. Other than that, let's get into today's episode with Cameron Deerfield. In three, two, one. All right, back on the show with me again. We're, I'm going to title this episode Back to Back because he's been successful uh, on back-to-back years as far as this podcast is concerned. He's been on two years. He's harvested two successful bucks. Now he's on the podcast for the second time to talk about that, uh, that uh, repeat of a, of a season. And uh, Cameron De- Deerfield, man, what's up, boss? What's up, man? Are you happy? You smiling over there? <laughs> I'm, I'm beyond happy, man. I mean, it, I'm, I'm doing a whole lot better than I was about five or six days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I take it that is because you were having a, a tough, a tough year. Yeah, to say the least. Um, I actually started a business this year where I started uh, actually guiding hunts and everything. So that kind of got in the way of hunting, and then you know it just it's just been a roller coaster ride with this one certain deer that I've been chasing all season. And, uh, yeah. it finally, it finally happened. <laughs> Let me ask you this. That's a, that, that brings me to a question. I know a lot of guys out there who absolutely love hunting and then they want to do something yeah. like get into a, a guiding service or, or be an outfitter. And what that does is, is that actually prevents them from hunting the best times of the year because all it's doing is, you know, forcing them to hunt, hunt or help other people hunt. Why did you decide, I, you know, I don't, we don't need to talk about your passion for hunting because it's there. You're on this podcast where we've already talked about it, but why become a guide and take away from that passion in a way? Um, I look at it as, uh, you know, as my life goes on and stuff that I've dreamed about since I was a kid, I've always wanted to be a guy. I've always wanted to, you know, put people on giant deer. And I like seeing other, other people smile and, you know, have, have, you know, these magical times. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at the point where that part of the, that part of hunting, I'm really starting to really, you know, focus on. Yeah. So you're, you mean giving to other people, helping other people find success. Yeah, I mean that's you know you, it, that's that's what's cool to me. I mean, and and when it comes down to it, basically I'm doing everything to kill these deer. They're just walking in and actually shooting. Yeah. So it you know it, from many aspects, it makes you a better hunter. It makes you you know it, it it just boosts your confidence. It you know there's 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 a lot of different pieces to it. So are you guiding on? Um, public ground or private ground? How how are you guiding? In what state do you mostly guide in? Okay, so me and my business partner lease twenty three thousand acres in in okay. uh, uh, um, in KY, which is you know, and we're in the northeast part. So the northeast part of the state down there is not really known for for big big deer, but we uh, we we've, we've really gone in here and started 
to really mold these deer and, and get these deer to where, you know, right now we have a 130-inch minimum. In two years, I plan to be at, like, that 150-inch mark. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's it all started because we went down there and leased a bunch of property just to hunt on, and the guys ended up, you know, just loving us and wanted us to work on all their properties. The next thing you know, we're leasing everything, and we're like, we got to we have to do something, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I see. I see. So you were, you were leasing a piece of property and then, uh, it turned into, dude, we might as well, we might as well turn this into a business because we were having so much fun doing it. Or uh, you think you could do it better than the guys who you were leasing the property from, or what was the, what was the transition there? Uh, it was kind of like, you know, we've always dreamed about doing it, but, uh, you know, it was one of those far-fetched dreams, I guess. And it just kind of, everything just fell in the place where we were finally able to make it happen. And it was like, look, you know, the timing isn't the best, you know, all this stuff, but this is our one chance. So let's just, let's just try it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So you started your, your guiding, um, your, your guiding service and being, so, is a guide and an outfitter the same thing? I mean, you're giving people land to hunt. Is that the same thing? Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I mean, I, I guess it kind of is. You know, it. it uh, I mean, that's. I mean, no doubt to me, that's that's what it is. That's what I do. I, I put people on deer. I may, I do property management. I plant the food plots. You know, I everything. So, you know, it, it's to me, yes. Gotcha. Okay. So what's uh, what's been like a challenge to getting that, this business off the ground, just out of curiosity. Um, finding the time to really, cause we both work regular jobs. So finding the time to really scope all these properties out. I mean, when you have 23,000 acres and there's only two of us, you know, that, yeah. that, that tends to be quite the, quite the job. Yeah. Um, yeah. but other than that, man, it's honestly it all fell into place. And I mean, we, we know a lot, of, a lot of people who hunt, and you know, people people bust a few hunts with us this year. That this this is our first year doing it, and they, you know, people took chances and booked hunts with us, and we've had some great deer get 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 killed. So uh, that's awesome. You know, did uh, so. What do you do for your full time job? Your your quote unquote real job? I am a journeyman um, electrician. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So, <laughs> how many? I, I think of 23,000 acres. That's a lot of acres. Um, and in order to properly know what's running around, you got to probably run a lot of trail cameras just so you can get the, the pictures to promote the properties that you're on to get the guys to come and hunt. How many trail cameras are you guys running on that 23,000 acres? <laughs> uh as of uh, two weeks ago, it was 276 cameras. <laughs> Dude, that's like a full-time job just going out and checking them. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I tell you what, the I tell you the worst part about it is is hanging stands. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the worst part, you know, because you start off on a on a Saturday morning and you got a whole trailer full of lock-ons and and and, and climbing sticks, and you and by about two o'clock, you, you 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 tend to like look back and you still have a whole trailer full of stands and lock-ons, <laughs> you know, and all this stuff, and you're just like, man. We didn't do anything today. <laughs> right. I can remember back in the day, I mean, like, even up until four four years ago, I would go out and I would have all of my stands pre-hung before the season even started. And yeah. as time, you know, went on 
it all kind of dwindled away. And I was just like, you know, if I have two stands hung before the season starts in my traditional pinch points, my, my quote unquote rut stands, then I'm going to be in good shape. And then, you know, this year hunted in them a couple times and, and really that's it. But it's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny all of the work I used to do and uh, just to hang, you know, it's like, of course, and the only time I had the ability to go out and do it or it, it, that fit into my schedule, it's like 90 degrees out in Iowa and it's yep. oh, 90% humidity. So you're trying to get it done early in the morning. And then by the time, you know, 11 o'clock hits, you got two more stands, you're dehydrated, you're sweating, you feel like you're going to pass out. It's gnarly. Yep. Yeah, and then it, there's always those four or five trips back to the truck of the side by side because you forgot straps. Or, you know, <laughs> it's just it's always something, you know. Right, right. So you jumped into the game outfitting and guiding and stuff like that. Um, did your hunters have a successful season? Yeah, um, we I um, we we kept you know notes about everything, and ninety five percent of our of our clientele saw a a 140 inch buck or or better um saw one you know and a lot of a lot of that's people you know we had a lot of people that was actually you know bow hunters and you mean we all know how that is you know to see a deer and to shoot a deer is is two different things yeah um but yeah man we we had a solid year we i mean like i said man all all the stars kind of aligned a lot of these properties that that we got have been managed for years um they have solid deer on them and it's just, you know, it's it's just one of those things. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, good luck on keeping that business up and running and growing it and, and uh, getting the clientele. And, uh, you know, good luck getting that age class up to where you want it. I know that's going to probably be a challenge in itself and learning, you know, having the learning curve and, and all that stuff. But today... Uh, I got a te- what was an Instagram message from you about a couple of days ago, and you're like, "Hey, did, you know, got him," and uh, you sent yeah. me a picture, and I looked at it, and I'm like, "Holy cow, man!" He sent me the same picture as he did the previous year, and I, I open it up, I look closer, it's a completely different buck, giant eight pointer, split brows, beautiful deer, um, and you you sent me a, a brief synopsis of of this year, and it was from a a deer that you passed last year before you ended up tagging out on a giant. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So I want to kind of start the the story there and start, yeah. you know, start it with you passing this buck last year. And I want to yeah. ask you, last year, how old was this buck? And just for, you know, visualization purposes, what did he score last year? So last year he was a five-year-old. He was a 10-point, and he was right around the 170-inch mark. Okay. So you passed a legit Boone and Crockett caliber animal last year. Why? Yeah, twice at, at 15 yards. Uh, because I was chasing a 190-inch deer that I had a bunch of history with. Gotcha. Okay. So people hear that, and they say that's not relatable. That's not realistic to me in where I hunt. Um, that's not even realistic to me and where I hunt was, yeah. was this the first time you had ever passed a, uh, you know, a Boone and Crockett caliber animal or a giant animal? I mean, that's a, that's a shooter in my book all day long, just from age class alone. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, he, uh, so that he was, a, he was the first one. Um, 
I ended up passing two separate 170 inch deer last year, but he was the first one. And, uh, you know, when he walked in the first time, I literally reached up and I took my arrow off the, off the string. Um, cause I, I didn't want to be tempted. I mean, at, at the time that would have been my, my biggest deer and, you know, my biggest bow kill everything. So it was very hard for me to, to, to do that. But yeah, I, I mean, up until that point, I would have never, never done that. Yeah. So how hard was that for you to pass an animal that you had never shot before that caliber of animal? Um, for me, not that hard because the buildup was, was so much, uh, the deer I was chasing, I watched him all summer. I filmed him all summer in soybeans. Um, I knew he was there. I had him patterned. So it wasn't like as hard as what it normally would be, you know? Um, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. I mean, when I first seen him walk in at 15 yards, I was like, you are a dumbass if you don't shoot this deer. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't shoot him. So I guess I was a, a complete dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's absolutely crazy. Cause a lot of people, uh, don't even see deer like that in their lifetime. Right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's crazy. It's just nuts to, you know, I haven't had the, you know, I've passed some good deer. I think the biggest deer I ever passed was high 150s, low 160s, probably a f- three or four-year-old. And that was when I was chasing a legit 200-incher in 2010. and or two, yeah. Is it 2010 or 2011? I can't remember. But uh, it was 2010. And so I passed that buck, uh, that, you know, that 10-year-old, bigger than anything else I'd ever shot before. And yeah. I was questioning my, I, I look back years after the fact, and I wish I would have shot that deer just because at that time I didn't have very many mature bucks under my belt, big bucks under my belt. And I feel like the only way to truly be comfortable in, in a situation like that is to kill deer under pressure. And then yeah. for, for me, it just, I seem like every encounter with a mature buck, I get less less of that big fat heartbeat that makes you do dumb shit, you know, like snort wheeze when their tail's already up or rattle at them as they're, you know, walking away, all that, all that dumb stuff that guys do, you know, they make that mistake at, you know, in the, in the, in that moment when it's important to not make mistakes, that's when people start to make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's, I mean, I tell when I tell people that that story, they're and some you get you get guys that don't believe what you're saying, then you get guys that are just questioning it, and it's like, look, you know, it, 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 I'm not saying it was easy. I'm not saying I'm just some guy out here passing 170s like it's nothing. Right? No, I get it. Um, but but you had your mind set on a particular animal, and you stayed with that decision the entire season, and it ended up paying off for you. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, on November 28th, I shot a 190 inch butt. Okay, so. I guess I even want to go back further, 2017, the buck that you shot this year. Did you have any uh, history with him before the 2018 season? Yeah, um, he came in 2017 um, in, in late season. He showed up as a, as a nine-point, uh, four-year-old, probably 140 inches. Okay, so then he blew up. He added 30 inches. Well, I, he turned into a 10, but added 30 inches into a booner. And, uh, and then you ended up passing him. So you mentioned you passed two Boone Crockett caliber animals, uh, 
in 2018 to get to the big boy. Now, after, you know, going into this summer, getting, you know, getting your trail cameras out or whatever, let me even back up further. Did you happen to go shed hunting and find any sheds from the buck from this year? So, um, I kind of got cheated out of my sheds last year. Um, you know, the neighbors heard that I shot that 190 inch deer and the year before that I shot 153 inch deer. So, you know, you know how neighbors can, can be sometimes and they snuck onto my property and found a bunch of my sheds without me knowing. So, uh, when you say I didn't, snuck, I didn't get to find a shed. You mean you own the property and they trespassed on it and they pulled your sheds? Well, no, I, like, I, I, uh, I leased this property, but I'm, I'm, me and three other guys are the only guys allowed to touch it. And these guys basically came onto this property and, and without, without asking anybody and, and found sheds. Okay. Okay. So the people, these guys came on the property that you shared the lease with or. No, no, no. There no. was neighbors, neighbors, guys, okay. guys who hunt. Yeah. Guys who hunt property all, all around me. Like the, uh, the deer I shot last year, the 190 inch deer, six different guys had that buck on, on camera. Okay. So, you know, it, it, once I shot him, you know, it was kind of like, you know, well, screw him kind of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and just to be clear, this, all this is going down in Kentucky, right? No, no, no. This is, I'm in, oh, 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 uh, Ohio. Okay. And, uh, you know, about 45 minutes southeast of, uh, the center of the state. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right in big buck country. Matter of fact, the, uh, Kaufman buck was shot about 15 minutes from my house. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, so did you catch these people on trail camera? Yeah. So I caught them on trail camera. I caught, uh, two guys, uh, on, on camera with sheds in their, in their, in their hand. Um, and, but it, it was just the backside of them, so I didn't get any faces. And, of course, they were all bundled up, you know, and I'm asking everybody, who's this, who's this? And, you know, I never got any, anything. But Yeah. So let me let me ask you, how did you handle that? Because um, I know a lot of guys out there, they, they get pissed. I mean, they have to battle with trespassers every single year. And uh, there's only so much that you can do to it, do to them, right? You can call the cops. You can... If even if you know who they are and you have proof and you bust them, they get the, you know they have to pay a trespassing fee, right? Um, yeah. Did you call the authorities? Did you put out restraining orders or anything like that? How did you handle that? No, I uh, what what I did is I just I kept I kept my cool. I didn't really press the issue. I mean, I asked everybody who who, who it was. Uh, we had like a local little pub, and I was in there. And I go in there, you know, once, probably once a week and, you know, I'd ask people, you know, and I kind of got it narrowed down to who it, to, to who it was. And I didn't, you know, I didn't come at anybody in, you know, a bad way or anything like that. I just pretty much let them know that I, I pretty much knew and it, it, it kind of stopped after, after that. Okay. So somebody came out and poached your shed, so to speak. And, uh, so you didn't really know what was running around your farm uh, did you find any sheds at all yeah i found some but i didn't find the ones to the deer that i was that i chased in the dish year. okay all um right. which he was he was you know 170 inch sheds they're not hard to see you know so right i'm sure i'm sure that was one of the first ones that that somebody found yeah 
So trespassers kind of played a role in, um, you know, in the shed season. So what about uh, going into the summer then? Did you, I mean, did you feel that this buck was summering on your property or on a different farm? Or did, what, did he go MIA for a while? No, so he uh, he was here the the entire time. Um, I uh, he summered here the summer before, so I figured he'd summer here again, and he did. Okay. Uh, I got the first trail cam pictures of him, and at the very end of April, um, to where I could actually tell that it was him, and he already had his brows with with, and his splits just started. So uh, that's how I kind of I, I kind of knew. Yeah. So he, did he have split brows the previous year too? No, but he has a huge gouge like in his, on his chest, like right at the base of his neck, and that's kind of how I, I kind of you know knew knew it was him. Okay, so he had some uh, he had some characteristics about him that made him easy to uh, point out. Yep, gotcha. Yes, All right, so getting into the summertime and then kind of watching him watching him grow, um, was he bigger? than last year did he grow into something bigger than last year or was he about the same so his frame got a little bit bigger but he went from a 10 point to an eight point with with split brows gotcha all right so scoring wise scoring wise probably a little smaller but from a frame size he got bigger yep yeah well i'll just tell you right now just looking at the picture of this buck like I I am a huge fan of giant eight pointers. I think I've mentioned that, and uh, yeah. that buck would look like a absolute monster coming through a bean field or coming through the timber. With what was his inside spread? Uh, he had a twenty inch spread. That's big. That's big, and it doesn't look like his main beams kind of curve back in. They kind of stay out. He has a uh, yeah. He has a uh, twenty uh, twenty five inch beams. He has thirteen inch twos on him. Uh, Ten inch threes. Jeez. He uh, he's he's and he's got tons of mass. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. All right, so on this farm, right? Sounds like the deer have been managed fairly well, or, or the neighborhood is really good. You have the habitat. You got the food. I mean. You, you got the age structure that allows, uh, you know, deer to get old and get big. What is it about your property specifically that makes it so good for holding big deer? Um, well, the guys that hunt my property kind of listen to me in a way that they don't really shoot small deer. So we're all on the same page. Um, and there's a lot of good bedding. And that's the key because I, I hunt farmland where there's not a whole lot of woods. So if you got some solid bedding, you know you, you're you're pretty much in there. Yeah, yeah. So bedding, you feel bedding is the key, like real thick, nasty stuff where they can lay low and not be seen. Yep, and it's just you know because I mean, like I said, I live in, in farmland, so everything there's crop fields everywhere, so everybody's got 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 food. But if you got if you got solid bedding, I mean, it just it just works out. Yeah. All right. So. Um, He's, I mean, he's a big deer going into this year. Uh, did you have any other hit listers or shooters along with this guy on your farm that kind of made the hit list? Nope. I don't, I don't make a list. I pick out one single deer a year and it's just me against him. So you don't, you, you made the decision that uh, on all these deer that you shoot, you say, 
he's the top tier. I'm only going after him. Yep, and I'll pass every, every deer on the farm until until I, I get that chance. Gosh, dang, that's commitment, dude. That's commitment. <laughs> I haven't even I I haven't I tried to do that. Um, you know, I mentioned that 200 incher. I chased him for five years. I passed up mature deer. I passed. Um, I shot a couple of deer within that time frame too, but I passed up some deer I probably should have shot. And that 160 10 pointer was uh, was one of them. But uh, that takes commitment to just only chase one deer. When when you make that when you made that jump into only going after one deer, did your time in the tree stand shrink? to only the best possible conditions for that particular buck? Um, it just depends on the buck. It depends on the buck's, um, you know, his personality, what what he's doing, uh, movement. I I run a ton of cams, um, you know, so I, I really hone in. Like just on in the past two years, on just for one single buck, I ran 25 to 30 cams. Yeah. Um, it just, you know, so it, it really just depends on each, each buck. Each buck is different for me. But, uh, you know, like last year, I, I hunted 60 days straight. Um, I was very safe the whole time. I didn't really make any any crazy jumps. Um, and then this year, I didn't get to hunt that much because I was guiding hunts, and it seemed like every time I was guiding hunts, he was, boom, there he was in, 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 in broad daylight. You know, and I'd, I'd get a picture, you know, on, on my phone, and I'm like, you got to be kidding. You know? Um <laughs> So but it just seemed like that all year, you know. Yeah, you were running some cell cams. Yep. Now, here's the debate that uh, a lot of people always have: is uh, you know, cell cams obviously can give you some really current intel. But do you feel that that has ever led you to got to pick? Let's get in the tree right now so I can kill him. Yeah, yes, yes. But I, I will say this though: it's not it's not my go-to thing. Like if I say, say he breaks daylight, you know, yesterday evening, I, it's rare for me to go in there this evening. Um, I kind of see, I kind of wait for a couple of days right. to see if he's going to do it again, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, long term, Yes. Okay. So you, you feel that that is kind of up, up the ante, put the, the odds in your favor when it comes to, uh, uh, intel and knowing when to make and move and make decisions of like what tree stand and whatnot oh yeah i mean especially you know and when it comes to the cell cams you know you can put them in some areas where you you just can't it's it's an area where you just can't be going in all all the time right so they you know they definitely give you a whole different aspect of it you know right okay so let's see here uh Going into the summer, you know, or late summer, it's starting to get closer to fall. When does the season open in Ohio? Uh, this year is September 29th. Okay, September 29th. Did you know where he was at on September 29th? Yeah, and I was in Kentucky Garden Hunt. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. So, um, you're, how big, uh, I mean... Do you feel that if you didn't have this business and you weren't guiding hunts, that the this you would have had an encounter with him way earlier than what you did this year? Hundred uh, percent. If I wasn't guiding hunts, he'd have been dead the first two weeks of the season. Okay, so that's how confident you were on uh, on where he was at, what he was doing. Was his routine really similar to the previous year? Somewhat, but somewhat not. Um, he kind of took over a lot of the areas of the other buck that I shot. 
Um, he got, you know, so he kind of moved into his kind of his his core areas. So it changed a little bit. Um, but this year he he was he he disappeared a whole lot more than what he did last year. Okay, so he, he would be on your farm for a while and then move away for a long period of time and then come back. Did you feel that your farm was his home base or was it on another farm? Through the, through the summer, I was definitely, you know, my farm was it. Um, once it came into season, it's, he started to change a little bit. He'd go on these little, these little, you know, you know, runs or whatever you call them, where he'd be gone for like two weeks and then he'd come back. But when he came back, he was always on the same camps. So I, you know, right there, I got to narrow down. Okay. I'm not hunting here, not hunting here, not hunting here. He's in this area, this area, and this area. And then throughout the season, I kind of just got to get this pattern down. If he was gone for two weeks, I know he's going to show up on this camera first, probably, okay. you know? So it just kind of worked out like, like, but you know, in that, in that way, which helped me because when he wasn't on camera, I could still go hunt on days that I, I was actually able to hunt and I'd go sit in those spots, you know, because, he could, he could walk in at, at any point in time. Okay. All right. So, you know, with you bouncing back and forth between Kentucky and, you know, having this new business and, and also were you also working your your electrician job as well? Yep. Yes, yeah. sir. So you were busy. Uh, how, yep. many, how many stand sits d- did you actually have or hours did you dedicate? I mean, last year it was 60 it was 60 days for one deer. How many days yep. were dedicated for this buck? Um, I killed this deer on my, on my 21st sit. 21st. So you sat 20, 21 times for this buck. Yep. And the, the buck I shot last year, I, I had 110 different setups. I hunted morning and night for 60 days. Some, some, every once in a while, I would, I would hunt the same spot twice. Okay. But mainly I did. Okay. So, um, are you, would you consider yourself a mobile hunter or do you have all of your stand locations already set before the season starts? Um, I'm 100% mobile. Well, I'll say this. I'm 99% mobile because I ended up shooting this deer out of the stand I've had hung since 2015. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. So you do have some preparation in place, uh, if you need it, but for the most time you're, you're running around trying to find the best spot. Yep. Gotcha. All yes, right. Sir. So. With that said, then, did um, what did October and November look like for? I mean, because you didn't shoot them until December. So, what did October and November look like as far as the times you were in the stand? Did you have any encounters with them or close calls? Yeah. Um, so I saw him. So the first week of October, I got a picture of him. He finally broke daylight. And he, he I mean, at that point in time, he was gone for two weeks. Well, he broke daylight, and of course, I wasn't here. So he was on camera at like 5.50. Well, it was one of those things where he was gone for two weeks. He only came back for a day, and he was gone again. But so I got that picture, and the next day, I got word that the neighbor shot a, a, a 160-inch deer. So... My, and that picture was on that side of the property where he just had to hop that fence, and, and I know that that guy has a uh, stand within like 100 yards of there. So I kind of got nervous, um, and he was gone for like a week and a half. You know, I'm stressing like, oh, I can't believe that he just, I'm not, that steer just got shot, and I wasn't even here to hunt him. And then 
one night I was sitting there and boom, he was, he was, he, he was, he was back, you know? Right. So any, I mean, any other encounters, you know, throughout that uh, October, November time frame? Yep. So when he came back, I, I, I made a pretty aggressive move on him and I seen him, uh, close well, as he got was, 75 yards. Break down this aggressive move. What was it? Why was it aggressive? Uh, explain the terrain, uh, the stand setup, all that stuff. So it's a super, super thick bedding area. I, I call it like uh, rabbit brush, you know, um, mm-hmm. just super, super thick. And I got the picture of him right on the edge of it. Um, so the trees are not that big in there. Uh, the biggest tree you'll find there is probably 10 inches thick. So I went in there with two climbing sticks and a uh, – stand and i basically got you know 10 12 feet off 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 the ground on this real thick tree right and uh it's one of those situations if it would have been a bigger tree i would have probably would have killed him um but i mean he didn't see me or nothing like that but i could have got up higher and uh but he he came in and the closest he got was probably i'd say the closest was probably 50 but when i was actually able to video him and watch him was about was about 75 yards and, uh, but again, if I was up higher when he was at 50, I no doubt, you know, it, it had been, it had been done. Um, but, uh, so I had that and then he stayed on camera for like two weeks and then boom, he was, he was, he was off again. So, you know, about that time, you know, guide and hunt, that's about that, that magical time, you know, um, you know, you're slammed and on Halloween day, he showed back up and in broad daylight and I wasn't here again. <laughs> and then he stayed around for like, a, like I want to say three weeks and on, and no, two weeks. And then he disappeared again for three days. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go hunt this spot. You know, I actually have the day off. And this is the third week of November, I think. And boom, he walks out. He walks out at about 120 yards starts working towards me, working towards me. And this young buck chased this doe out from the opposite side of me and runs right in between me and me and me and him. And boom, he's, he, he ends up chasing, chasing her off. So, um, that was the second encounter I had with him. And then two nights later, I had a third encounter with him. Uh, he was standing under my tree about 15 minutes after, after dark. Oh boy. <laughs> been there man that and, sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah 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 and then you know it it was just the same type of pattern man all through the late late you know late november all through this december off and on gone for a week at a time gone for you know almost two weeks and then um and then january 3rd is when it all happened so was January third the 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 next time you were able to get into the stand? No, so I I, I hunted him, him you know a few times there, um, probably five six seven times there, um, no just encounters. trying to catch him on those yeah with with no encounters, just trying to catch him on them on them patterns. Um, saw a lot of good deer. Um, I passed the one forty, passed the one hundred fifty, and you know. Um, but I just kept, I just kept thinking, you know, it's, it's going to pay off, you know, it's going to pay off. Right. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, again, man, just like last year, it was a, 
a long, lonely, cold season. <laughs> yeah. Did you, when you checked your trail cameras, did you have any other like moments where you're like, oh my God, I wish I would have stayed in the stand five more minutes or I wish I would have, uh, you know, like I wish I hunted that stand, you know, like you had any encounters where if you would have waited or, you know, put more time in, in a specific area, you would have had an, another shot at him or he came out like five yeah. minutes after dark on the stand you were just at. Yeah. So there was two evenings. Uh, I mean, that happened a lot, but it, not really moments that I wish I did something different because I just wasn't here. Right. Um, but it, it happened a couple times where like, I remember one Friday I knew I just had this feeling all day. Like, Hey, you should probably leave work early today. Um, he's going to be there. You know, I just kind of had this feeling and I didn't leave work early and I got home probably an hour and a half before dark. And I actually live on this farm and, uh, man, I'm, I'm loading my truck up to leave to actually go down and guide hunt on, on Saturday morning. And I'm loading my truck up and I look out in the field and boom, he's standing there <laughs> and I'm like, taunting you. I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. And I, I called my, my, my wife outside, and I was like, look at him. And that's the first time that she's seen him in person. And she doesn't cuss or anything. And she's like, holy shit. <laughs> you know? That's funny. <laughs> so, but, yeah, man, there was just, you know, it was just a game of cat and mouse, you know, hearing that the neighbor shot a 160 and then hearing from another neighbor that he shot Rocky. You know, that's what that's what he told me. Like, you know, he shot Rocky because he was like, he, he said he shot your deer finally. Was, was was his exact words and I'm like finally what do you mean <laughs> you know yeah. and uh, so it was just an up and down battle man just so you know a couple a couple you know situations where I almost had him a couple situations where I should have had him and uh, I was really starting to get down really starting to get worn out and um, luckily in the past two weeks I've had a lot more time off and uh, I've just been grinding it out hard and hunting every single evening and it finally happened Right. So how does your strategy change from the peak of the rut to this late season time frame? Um, I go from pinch points and funnels and doe bedding to feed and right. food, you know. Um and that's that's what that's what got him. Matter of fact, so the day I shot him I I don't hunt mornings. I just never have. I because well, I do hunt in farmland so I've noticed when you walk in in the morning, you're bumping the deer out of all these fields. Mm -hmm. So I just don't hunt mornings. Um, and in, in late season, you don't really think of, of hunting mornings. Um, so that morning I woke up and I went to go get me and my wife a, uh, breakfast sandwich. Well, I pull out of my driveway and I, you know, I'm listening to the radio. I look over and he's standing 40 yards off the, off the, off the road at 8:45, broad daylight. And he's looking at me and I'm like, holy shit. Okay. He hasn't been on this camera for two days. He's here. I know he's here. We got rain coming in. Um, I was like, I'm definitely hunting tonight, you know? And, uh, that's what happened, man. It was, it was 50 degrees outside on January 3rd, pouring rain. I sat in the rain for four hours. Um, and he came in about, you know, 25 minutes before dark. Now, describe the stand location. Was it over a food plot? Was it on the a field edge of an egg? You know, of ag. Break, so break that down for so us. So it's it's a it's a cornfield edge against real thick bedding, like what I would call thermal bedding. 
Um, you know, it's where they go when it's when it's real cold. Now, that day it was warm, but the day after and like today and you know we we had this real cold front coming. So to me, he was in there because he he knew that 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 was coming or he felt that that was coming. You know, um, so that's kind of it's real thick. You know, it's real thick rabbit brush. Um, it's a huge bedding area, and it's not touched ever. Um, and I'm hunting on, on the edge of it, right on this cornfield, uh, cut, it, it's all, it's all cut, uh, um, cut corn. And basically it was where I, where, where the stand is sitting, it's a kind of an open spot in that, in that, in that bedding, almost like a little, uh, um, staging area. Okay. And that's, that's where I kill him. Man. So. Walk us through what happened. I mean, from the moment you saw him to the moment you let the arrow go. Okay, so uh, at four thirty, I had I had three does come in from my from my from my right. Um, I thought, you know, or I'm sorry, from my left, which would be where I would anticipate him to uh, to uh, come from. Well, they all walked out. Nothing was 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 with um, big. They kind of, you know, moved on. Then two spikes came from the opposite way. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe he's he's with them, you know. Um, nothing, nothing happened. Well, as those spikes were in there, from the same way that those does came, came this came this young ten point, and he was all by himself. And you know, the way that I'm thinking is, man, it's it's late season. It's rare for these deer to be all by themselves, especially a, a, a you know a deer, you know, a, a two and a half year old deer, you know. Um, and I'm just like, man, something has to be with him. Well, he got almost to me and I saw that, you know, that, that, that one sign that we all who hunt big deer love. And I just saw that big rack turn way back in that, in that, in that brush. And dude, it's like, usually I'm pretty stone cold, but as soon as I seen that after the season that I've had, my heart rate went through the roof. <laughs> I mean, went through the roof and I'm like, and I literally had to like look down and like talk myself, like, listen, calm down, calm down, calm down. And, uh, it literally took him 40 minutes to come 40 yards. Man. I mean, just poking, you know, and watching every move. And I think what done is when that, when those young bucks came in, a bunch of doves flew up and kind of like, kind of, um, uh, scared them. And, I think he he saw that and he didn't know exactly what what happened. Yeah. So I, I think it put him on put him on the edge, and uh, he came in and he was facing me and it's so thick in there, man. I only got like one or two shooting uh, um, shooting lanes, and he was kind of like quartered to me. Well, he wouldn't he wouldn't break that. You know, he just was quartered to me, quartered to me for ten minutes, and I'm like, all right. Um, I was like. I know I could hit the back of his lungs and probably hit liver. I'll find him tomorrow, you know. Um, so, it, like I said, it's pouring rain, and I, I go to draw back. I'm drawing back as slow as I can. I draw back well. My my jacket rubs against a branch, and he looks right at me. I mean, instantly. He wasn't even looking anywhere around me, but as soon as he heard that noise, he locked eyes with me. And I'm like, oh, God, you got to be shitting me. And, uh, I just finished drawing back, you know, I'm like, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much now or never. And I put it right where I wanted it, you know, right on the back of his lungs. 
And when I shot, he ducked. And when he ducked, I hit him a little bit high. He dropped right there. I grabbed another arrow, followed him up, and he he died right there. So you spined him. Yep. Yeah, man. You know, I tell you what, if I was like if I was the best archer in the world and I didn't get buck fever at all, I tell you what, man, the spine shot is a good shot if you can you know if you can guarantee that you're going to hit it and drop it um yeah i spine yeah, i mean it, I, I spine my deer in 2016 and was it 2016 17 yeah 2016 and uh right there <laughs> i didn't have a problem with it yeah i mean not you know not, yeah. you go you go a couple inches north and you're never going to find that deer but uh yeah dude that's awesome so you know it was kind of a, a unique season for you when you got down on, uh, out of the stands and you went, you know, you walked over to him and you put your hands on him for the first time. What was the, what, what were the feelings and the thoughts running through your head? Well, so my thing is as soon as I shoot a deer, I call my uh, wife. That's what, that's what I do every single time. Yep. So I called her and, you know, I'm looking at him and, you know, I'm just crying excited like baby i did it like i did it again you know i did it i did it i shot rocky and you know of course we had our little moment and i'm sitting there and i call my uh best friend and i'm like you know i, I shot him man and you know he's like you shot who like rocky you know we're, we're freaking out and then i i was like all right man i'll, I'll call you back well i didn't worry about my bow my ozonics my book bag or nothing I just climbed down and got like five feet, you know, and the tree I was in, I, I had to use like two, like, like two climbing sticks, but I used branches to finish climbing up. And, uh, I got down to like the third or fourth branch and I just like jumped out of the tree <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I ran over to him and instantly the first thing in my mind was show cam pictures. Do not do this to your justice, you know? And, uh, it just, to might be my dream my entire life to shoot a really big eight and i've missed two of them i just always run into a problem with with it when it's a when it's a real big eight and i and man when i walked up on him i just dropped to my knees man i i i mean it was it was one of those moments that we honestly live for you know yeah yeah that's awesome dude uh and i love how you had the same reaction that you did with your giant right you you just yeah. you smoked oh, a, yeah. a 190 and then now you just smoke this giant another giant eight which you know inches are relative when it comes to the amount of happiness a person experiences but um oh yeah how did this hunt in this year compare to the previous year um you know i i look at it like this man each deer has its own set of you know lessons and uh, this deer just taught me a whole lot in, in the sense of this is by far the smartest deer that I've, I've ever hunted. Um, despite everything he did, you know, he, he, he never did the same thing twice, like never back-to-back days, ever. Okay. Um, he just, he's real smart, he's, he, and, and it taught me to be a little bit better. It also taught me not to go into season somewhat, you know, and I say the word cocky, I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way, but like I went into this season, like I got it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't, you know, he, he, he put that to the 100% test. You know, I, I always talk about, you know, chasing these, these once, these one specific deer, 
you know, it's it's a game of chess. And you're basically playing their their game because they're way better at surviving than what we are killing. Yeah. You know. Um, so, you know, it, 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 he, he just knew how to play chess, man. He just knew how to play. That's awesome. And uh, it, 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 was a, it was a big moment for me because it's my biggest bow kill. Um, it's my, you know, it's my biggest, you know, and last year I shot a, the, the buck I shot last year had 22 scoreable points. This buck has eight scoreable points. So I shot me, or I shot a really big typical deer, you know, which is always been my dream. Yeah. Um, he, uh, we, we take him out. He's, uh, uh, um, 165 inches and, uh, he's, he's, he's pretty amazing, man. I mean, he's pretty amazing. He scored 165 as an eight. Yep. Jesus. I've seen, I've seen one, one deer in my life and he was, I'm going to say he was an eight. He, I know he's an eight pointer, but he was, uh, a typical eight pointer in the low one seventies. And there's something about a big gigantic eight pointer walking through the timber that dude, just, it's almost like it gets me aroused. It's freaking crazy. How big Oh yeah, an eight pointer, you know, just ju- even a one fifty class or a one forty class eight pointer can look really good coming through the timber. But then you add 20, 30 inches to that. Jesus, man, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a yeah, big well, I mean, eight when- pointer. And that's the first time that I had him that close in person. I shot him at like 30, it was 31 yards. Yeah. Um, that was the first time I had him in broad daylight that close to me. And when he was walking in, I'm looking at him like, this is insane. Yeah. Like, this deer is retarded, dude. Yeah. And, you know, and he's, well, put it, well, I'll put it this way. My 190-inch deer, his frame can fit inside the frame of, of this deer. Yeah. That's you know, crazy. So, That's crazy. You know, and he's it's, it was to me. I mean, when you when you walk up on a on a on a deer and you can set your bow inside of its rack and you know the one side sitting on on the cams and the other side goes above your sight. You know, it's like <laughs> this is a this 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 is a big deer. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, man, uh, congratulations on uh, another successful year. Do you have a deer or deer? like one specific buck or multiple bucks that are already on your radar for next year? Yeah, I have a deer I named, uh, up, up, uh, up, up Apollo. And, uh, he's probably 145 inch eight this year. Okay. Um, and he's four. So, uh, I don't think he'll be a mega. Um, he might break 160. I noticed around, around me that area from four to five, they just blow up, man. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so he, he could blow up and be, you know, a high 50 deer, 60 deer, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, you know, it's, it's not, that's not really what it's about all the time for me. It's just picking up that one deer and I'm hunting what's basically in his, in his head. I'm, I'm not, not necessarily on it, you know? Right. Yeah, man. Well, again, congratulations. Thanks for taking time to come on the podcast and share your story again and, uh, keep grinding out. Hopefully your business, uh, is successful and uh you keep doing what you love to do man yes sir thank you and there you have it ladies and gentlemen huge shout out to cameron and congratulations for slaying another absolutely beautiful animal huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to download and listen to nine finger chronicles podcast 
please go to iTunes, leave a review, let everybody know that this is one of your favorite podcasts. Uh, I feel like the quality of these episodes are awesome. I feel like the content that is on these episodes are awesome. And then you can listen to all everything on the Sportsman's Nation Whitetail podcast. Or you can just get the Nine Finger Chronicles by itself. You know, go to iTunes, type in Nine Finger Chronicles, and then you can just just get the Nine Finger Chronicles as well. So just remember that. Other than that, huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, Vortex, Prime, Ozonics, Wasp, and Lone Wolf. Huge shout out to those companies uh, because without them, this isn't possible. And uh, I really appreciate that. So, uh there's that other than that um i still haven't figured out the ending yet but it's going to be something conservation related it just takes a couple an hour you know it takes maybe five bucks or something give something time energy uh two percent for conservation is a huge uh you know it's take just take a look at it just take a look at two percent for conservation see what they're doing the sportsman's nation is an official business partner of 2% for Conservation, and we are one of the first podcasting platforms to come through as a, a 2% for Conservation uh, member. Uh, take a look at some of the other, uh, uh, I guess, media outlets out there and see what they're doing for conservation and ask yourself, you know, hey, they're making, you know, they're, they're talking about the hunting and stuff, but are they talking about conservation as well? So uh, just uh, ask, that, ask that question, and it's okay to ask that question. Other than that, everybody, have a good week, good month. Be safe, and uh, remember to follow along on Instagram as I'll be at the ATA show later this week. Enjoy yourself.